so good. Hey, we're, we got one, one month left in 2020. How do you feel about that? You ready for this one to, to put this one in the history books? It's been a crazy, 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 crazy year. I just watched a documentary yesterday on the uh, princess ship that had a COVID outbreak and how they were trying to treat the people and isolate the people and nothing worked. And it was just, uh, and reflecting that we were on a ship a couple weeks after that. And there was absolutely no COVID whatsoever. Didn't realize at that point how serious this whole thing was going to be and how fast it would spread and how it spread. Uh, The bottom line is they thought it was going to spread on surfaces, so they were doing their normal thing that they do for the normal viruses that go around on cruise ships. And uh, they weren't dealing with the aerosols, and that was the problem. But now we know a lot more. And hopefully in a few weeks or a couple of months... uh, There'll be a vaccine and we'll be able to get past this in a very real way. But this morning I want to talk about hope. How many of you got hope for next year? Okay. How many of you got hope in our political process? How many of you got hope in our economic future? How many? Uh, that's not where we put our hope, is it? This is a crazy world you know, with protests and riots and looting and war and bombings and assassinations. We just had one on Thanksgiving People in, uh, in Iran. People dying from drug overdose, climate change. I hate the president. I love the president. I hate the president-elect if he really is the president-elect. He's not the president-elect. He is the president-elect. The world seems to be spinning out of control, doesn't it? I want to show you a three, a little bit over three-minute music video that predicts, depicts a world spinning out of control. Just watch this video. Things change, some things never seem to change. That was 1965. And things weren't looking real good for the state of the world back then. I was a junior in high school. I'm really old. But even in high school, it seemed like the whole world had gone crazy. Fast forward four years from that, newly married, madly in love with Nancy. And the two of us, Looking at the state of the world, we had no hope that things would ever get better. We really didn't. In fact, we were so convinced that the world was quickly going down the tubes that we decided we weren't going to have any kids. Because why would you want to bring a kid into this world with no hope, with all this craziness going on, no future? We really thought the world was going to end up in a nuclear holocaust. We believed the decks were stacked against our nation. It was stacked against us. Nuclear war. Science was warming about climate change. Global freezing was on the horizon. We were all going to freeze to death in a nuclear winter. They really, you, could, you can find magazines from back then that predicted that. You know, science magazines. Riots and destruction. Cities burning like you saw. You know, Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Kennedy had been assassinated. Bobby Kennedy had been assassinated. I was in Baltimore the day Martin Luther King was assassinated. There were riots in the streets. It was crazy. 
just crazy. There were National Guardsmen all through the city of Baltimore trying to keep, thing, keep the lid on. And it wasn't working. No hope, no faith, no expectation for the future. Now fast forward with me another six years. On a beautiful spring day, Nancy and I were out. We had 12 acres down in Collins Center that had a little valley in it. We figured when the nuclear bombs hit Niagara Falls, which is a target, still is, that we could hunker down in there and do subsistence farming and we, we might be able to survive on our own in the country. I've since realized with my failure in, farm, in gardening over the last 50 years, we would have starved to death in about three weeks. My entire crop last year, not this year, following this year, but the previous year, was one half of an ear of corn. Everything else had been eaten by... I actually put up five-and-a-half-foot chain-link fence to keep the deer away. Raccoons climb fences. And overnight, they ate every ear of corn, carried them away. Crazy. So we would have died. But anyway, (laughs) no hope, no faith. Here we are on this beautiful spring day out on our property. And I looked at Nancy, and I said, it's time to start a family. And she looked back at me, and she said, you're right. I agree with that. And nine months later, to the day, your pastor was born. That's all I'm going to say about that day in the country. So how do two people go from having absolutely no hope for the future, no hope for the world, suddenly have perfect peace about bringing a child into that same world? What caused us to have a different perspective, to have hope? for the future. The world was still apparently out of control. Wars were still raging. Our our friends were coming home in body bags. Seemed like on a weekly basis. There was a world oil crisis. Gasoline prices were four, five, six dollars a gallon. You couldn't get it. You had to wait in line for hours and hours and hours to hopefully get some gas. The Middle East was still in turmoil. Nothing had changed, but yet everything had changed. And it was hope that made the difference. But what is hope? Where does it come from? I already asked. It's not in politics. It's not in economics. It's not in government. Is hope a feeling? Is it just a positive thinking? Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, mentioning, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and Every name that is named. 
not also in this age, but also in that which is to come. What a change of perspective. And then Colossians chapter 1. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Friends, do you have hope this morning? It's not something we work up. Hope is a person. It's real easy today with what's going on and all the negativity we see in the media to lose our proper perspective. When I wake up in the morning, it's my habit. I don't always succeed, but it's my habit to immediately greet the Holy Spirit, to immediately make contact with God, to let my heart, my spirit connect with the Spirit of God. And until I, and sometimes it's just breathing a short prayer, Jesus, I love you, here I am. This day is yours. And immediately there's that quickening in my spirit, that witness. Can I get a witness, somebody? A witness that God is real, that he lives within me. Sometimes during the day you just, your thought will just turn to God and you get that quickening inside. And that quickening brings to mind the reality of his presence, the reality of his word, the reality of his promises. Hope is not a, a, a thing. It's not a feeling. It's not an attitude. Hope is a person. Jesus Christ is our hope. God is our hope. The Holy Spirit is our hope. God, the three-in-one, the omnipresent, ever-present, ever-working God, never sleeping, never resting God, he is our hope. And that hope becomes effective in our lives when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. It's his presence that changes perspective. It's his presence that gives us hope. But knowing that we're complete and safe and our eternity is complete and safe in him produces hope. When we realize we put our trust in the cross and the work he did on the cross, that gives us hope. When we trust that we are completely forgiven, fear no longer has a hold on us. Just the other day, I forget what it was that he, I was reminded of something really stupid and idiotic I did as a teenager. And immediately, just gratitude to God that, God, you love me, even though I was such an idiot. Such an idiot. I mean, stupid things we did. I was in Saigon, and, you know, uh, we were out, we had to go outside of our little entrance to our top secret security crypto thing. It was right next to the top, part of the Tonsonut Air Base, but we had a separate entrance. We had to go out of that, go about maybe an eighth of a mile into the main gate to get to the donuts because they had the, the Air Force had a donut machine and you could get fried cakes for a nickel, you know, five cents. So we'd be there working all night doing nothing but putting our time in because they thought they had people there 24 hours a day. It probably did some good. But anyway, we'd make a donut run every night. Well, when we got word that there was a firefight at the main entrance to the base... We were fighting over who would get to go. 
Not who had to go, who got to go. Because we were so bored working in this place with no windows and, you know, 24 hours a day from sunrise to sunset, we, we were stuck inside that building. We were fighting over who's going to go drive through the firefight. Stupid. Stupid, stupid. So that's why they send teenagers to war. But hope is a person. It comes from knowing who he is. I had none then. You know, walking around on the streets of Saigon. No hope. No hope for them. No hope for our nation. No hope that, you know, the war would do anything, accomplish anything. But we were not fearless. We were just too stupid to have fear that we'd get shot. But when we trust in him, fear has no place in us. It doesn't have a hold on us. You can't threaten a dead man with death. If you're already dead in Christ, death holds no fear for us. See, hope, biblical hope, excuse me, is the confident expectation that God will do exactly everything he's promised in his word to do. His word produces hope within us. And he is the word of God. His word is alive and it's powerful. It changes us. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. That one scripture alone, the things of this world or the circumstances of the day seem to be overwhelming. Just that one scripture alone. Wait a minute. You catch yourself. He who promised is faithful. He's faithful. Doesn't matter what the government's doing. Doesn't matter what the economy's doing. Doesn't matter that you just lost your job. I've been there, done that. He who promised is faithful. He's good. When Nancy was pregnant with Josh, I didn't have a job. He who promised is faithful. We didn't have any fear. Because we knew that God is faithful. I want to tell you one more story how the Holy Spirit confirmed in my heart that this supernatural thing called hope had taken root and found a place to live, residence in my heart. I was working that, at that point as a letter carrier, as a mailman. We started our day early, and I got out of work at 3.15, was home by 3.30 which was wonderful. She had the rest of the afternoon and the evening off. Actually, that was when I was doing all my uh, Bible study with Berean College. I'd come home and I would force myself to go after a couple hours to go up to my study and just study until I, my, my eyeballs were going to fall out. Uh, the way they set it up, you did, first you did Old Testament survey. So you had to read the whole Old Testament. Then they took you through Bible survey, and you had to read the whole Old Testament and the New Testament. It's like, there's a lot of words here, Lord. It's going to take forever. And trying to stay awake when you're, you know, just reading and reading and reading and reading. But anyway, that's an aside. So I just come home from my job, and Josh, your pastor, you remember those sewer vents? You got a little grate on top. Ours stuck up about that far. It was under a tree. And Josh was actually sitting on the sewer vent little guy, I don't know how old he was, maybe five, six years old, if that. 
And there were three other kids sitting around him, and they had one coloring book. And they were all coloring the same coloring book, which was a miracle. Because when we first moved into the neighborhood, if you had more than two kids, they're all great kids, but if there were more than two, a fight would break out. Any two would get along with each other. But as soon as there was three, two of them would decide to gang up on the third one. And somebody would end up going home crying or whatever. But I'm watching this, these same group of kids. And I'm looking, I'm saying, I'm recognizing there's a leadership gift in Josh. And he was already having an effect on the whole neighborhood. And as it was proven out through the years, he brought all these kids together. The wars ceased. Kids that used to, you know, send each other home crying were now, you know, doing big pageants and plays together and all these things. Josh is an organizer. They all had their costumes. He loves to dress up. They probably all had new shoes. That's a joke. Okay. But it was a miracle, just a miracle. And here they were cooperating, in, I mean, in perfect harmony. So I'm sitting there on a stoop looking at this, and I just breathed, God, I said, God, this is so wonderful. You know, thank you. This is so peaceful. Look at what you're doing. And I heard the Holy Spirit ask me a question. It was very real. It's as, lo- as clear as I've ever heard God in my life up till now. And he said, Dan, if you come home tomorrow and your house is burned to the ground, it's just a pile of ashes, and your wife Nancy and your sons are laying here in body bags on the front lawn, will you still serve me? And it wasn't a thought. This was the, the Spirit of God speaking to me. And it hit me like a brick. But then I heard my heart respond. And I said, Lord, who else would I serve? Where else would I go? I, you're the one that has eternal life. You are eternal life. And I knew right then, and I've known ever since, that my hope in God, in Jesus, in my future, was real. That he's the peace He's my peace in all the storms of life. And ever since then, there's never been anything that's gone on. If one thing that, to me, makes real my salvation, makes real the presence of the Holy Spirit, makes real everything that God's promised in his word, is this hope that is unwavering. It can't be moved because it's not something I've produced. It's something that comes by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. His living word. The word of God is alive and powerful. It lives. And when we read the word, when we meditate and chew on the word, it becomes a part of who we are. So when these things, these circumstances hit us one after another after another, when the world seems to be out of control, we're not shaken. We're not moved. So I have a question for you today. Do you have that kind of hope? Has hope found a place in your heart, a place to and produced a place of a place of rest for you in the promises, a place of trust in the promises of God? Do you trust Him completely for your future? In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus made a promise. He said, "These things I've spoken to you, that you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation." Did you ever see those? little Bible pocket promise things. They never put the scripture in there. In the world, you will have trouble. World tribulation means big trouble. 
How many of you have experienced trouble in your life? There's more to come. It's a promise from God. But that shouldn't produce fear. He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. When the overcomer lives within us, when we realize that our lives are hidden with Christ in God, we are unshakable, we are unmovable because we have hope that is produced by his living word. We have hope that is produced by his promises. We have hope that is produced in our hearts by the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. You can have that peace. You can have that supernatural hope and confidence in God. You can be, and even this is so, much, so important right now, we are called to be the people that live in hope, that demonstrate hope, that show the world that we are not moved, we are not shaken. We're not living in fear. We're not quaking and shaking by the world's circumstances, but our anchor, as we sang today, our anchor is Jesus Christ. He is our anchor. He is our foundation. He is our peace. The world needs you. Living in hope, demonstrating how to live in hope, how to have confidence in the goodness of God. You can be that person that the world needs right now. And that starts and grows as we place, even whether for the first time or again and again and again, our lives completely forever into his hands, into his care. So let's, as we close this morning, take a moment to do that right now. If you're physically present with us, or if you're here with us, they're not online yet, they will be the next hour, okay? Pray these words with me right out now. They're going to put them up on the screen. Just say them together. You don't have to repeat after me. Let's just say it. Jesus, I trust you. Stand up and say it right out of your mouth. Everybody, stand up together. Let's say this out loud. Jesus, I trust you. I give my life into your care. I trust the truth that you took my sin, that you paid the penalty I could not pay. I make you Lord and Master of my life. I will trust you forever. I receive your presence and will live with confident peace and hope forever. I will bring your hope and peace to your world. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Folks, you have the answer. He is the answer, but you have the answer. So in a sense, you are the answer to the people around you in fear, who are living in fear, who are being tormented day after day, hour after hour, with negative things, negative news, negative circumstances. You have what they need. Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. Amen. Amen. A couple of announcements before we go. There's a giving box in the back for giving, but there's also options on the screen that you can uh, take advantage of. And if you're a guest here today, you're under no obligation to give, but if God's moved in your heart and you want to give, worship him with your finances, by all means, go ahead and worship him. Check out the group, small groups on our website. There's prayer people available in the lobby as you exit. Don't uh, hesitate to take advantage of that as you go. Uh, we have a 10 o'clock. Our next service is going to be live. I encourage you, if you haven't done so already, invite your friends, neighbors, enemies, co-workers, classmates, everybody you possibly can. Send them a text, send them a message, send them a link, and invite them to watch it. I have family members from out of state who have never darkened a church but have been watching faithfully week after week 
And last week I had a great nephew who joined and uh, was watching. He said, I didn't watch the whole thing, but wow, that was great. So there's an opportunity for people that might never hear the word because just because you invite them might tune in and uh, hear the living word of God. So God bless you. Be the hope. Bring the hope that only God can bring. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.